prepared to lead us into this time of worship and getting our minds set right uh, to open up God's word. And you've done a beautiful job, and we appreciate all that you've done for us each week in doing that. And not just uh, preparing the songs, but just even your words uh, to um, bring us right into this text today. So thank you. Well, um, before I get started, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, each week, Lord, you've been so faithful, and we come expectantly again this morning uh, that you will make your presence known among us, that you will open our minds, uh, that you will take your living and active word and meet each one of us right where we're at, Father, and do that which only you can do. Holy Spirit, we trust that you'll hover over us and teach us and remind us of things that we've been taught and what Jesus has said. And Jesus, we thank you uh, that because of your great sacrifice, because the message of the gospel, our lives are being transformed. So we have much to be thankful and grateful for uh, this morning, and we come again to set at your feet, Lord, and ask that you would teach us. And um, we'll be sure to give you all the thanks, all the praise, and all of the glory. It's in your matchless and saving name we pray. Amen. <laughs> all right, well, believe it or not, we've come to the end of our study in the book of Acts, haven't we? And I was thinking, um, here we are at the end of this big study in the book of Acts, and I wonder if you were asked uh, to sum up <laughs> this book, um, how would you do that? How would you sum up all that we've learned, all that we've read, thought about, discussed, and learned from our studying God's word? I mean, we have, haven't we, received so much truth. We've been given so many examples of so many faithful followers of Christ, real people at a real time, in a real place, in history, in God's big story. We've learned so much, haven't we? So how would you, how would you sum that up? And it is God's big story, isn't it? Remember, we, I think we mentioned this our first week when we started that God's big story of redemption, right? Um, we, we concentrated on those, Paul, Peter, John, all those. We concentrated on their time, in their place, in God's big story of redemption, didn't we? And, and we learned much, and many examples were given for us. But um, we, too, were invited to find our place in God's big story of redemption. Because here we are, right? Uh, with the same commission um, to follow and to be Christ's witness. So here we are. And, and without God's big story, um, and I'm sorry, within God's big story, we find ourselves today living out his command. Paul and those we've learned from and ourselves, we're in God's big story of redemption. He's not through yet, is he? So here we are today. We can learn from one another, and we've learned so much from the people that we've studied and the examples we've been given, haven't we? 
So let's just take um, a minute, because I thought, well, if I were you, and I were sitting there, and if this is the last week, and I've just finished this book, book, I would need, I would want, and I would need someone, remind me, just remind me of some uh, themes that we've learned. I mean, I could open up my study guide and go through, but just kind of go through those, and let's remind ourselves what we have learned. And I won't hit them all. I won't cover them all. But I'm thinking, first of all, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, right? In the very beginning of this book in Acts 1, um, oh, first let me remind you, the kingdom of God, remember, is the present spiritually directed reign of God, gradually transforming individual lives and entire cultures through the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember that, didn't you? (laughs) So the kingdom of God, the book begins with it, and it ends with it. It it begins with Jesus before his ascension, teaching about the kingdom of God, and the book ends with Paul welcoming all who came within his home as he taught about the kingdom of God. Transforming individual lives, then and now, our lives today. We read Jesus' words to his disciples in Acts 1.8, this very important verse. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we watched as these disciples became bold in their faith in Christ, and they could not but speak of all that they had seen and heard, could they? And you know, Jesus' words are for us today as well, aren't they? By the indwelling Holy Spirit, we're empowered witnesses for Christ today. Speaking of all that we've seen and heard. Well, throughout our study, and in the lives of the first believers, um, and throughout our own Christian lives today, we've seen the guiding, leading, and directing of the Holy Spirit, haven't we? We certainly saw that through Acts, didn't we? How many times the Holy Spirit would lead them, guide them, stop them, direct them, right? And then, oh, the power of the gospel. We've learned much about the power of the gospel over and over again. We learned of lives transformed by the power of this gospel. So many examples of individuals that we learned from. To name a few, I think of Peter, John, Stephen. Wow, remember? Philip, the eunuch, Barnabas, remember? Paul, Lydia, Dorcas, and even the jailer. We've learned so much from individual lives that have been transformed by the power of the gospel. And we even learned through the not-so-great example of Ananias and Sapphira, didn't we? Individual lives, real people, much to learn from. But through persecution, suffering, and opposition, the gospel continued to spread. Really, even even a greater way through all that. Lives being transformed by the powerful 
power of the gospel, the unstoppable gospel. And that same good news is changing lives today. It has the same power to change lives today. The same gospel message that tells us this other very important theme that we've seen throughout our study, that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. And that this salvation is for all, all, all people, the Jews and the Gentiles, by grace, through faith in Christ. Salvation, no other name under heaven. Well, we learned of the beginning of a new community, a new community of believers, which was God's church. Wasn't that exciting to go back and, and learn for the first time or be reminded of? Oh yeah, this gathering of God's people that is huge today, it had a beginning. It had a beginning and they were this new community of believers, God's church. And remember, we saw how many times how they gathered together, right? Gathered together, caring for and loving one another, providing for one another. Christ's church was really an explosion of joy, wasn't it? An explosion of joy. Well, over and over, all over the events within the book of Acts, you could say, umbrellaed over the entire book of Acts, we saw the sovereignty of God, didn't we? It, it may have been very evident at times, and other times it was there, it was present. The sovereignty of God orchestrating the very lives and events that brought, <clears throat> excuse me, that brought about much fulfilled prophecy. So we saw fulfilled prophecy throughout our book of Acts, didn't we? Well, along with these themes, we also learned um, of Paul's missionary journeys. We traveled with Paul in a way, didn't we? And we learned from his traveling. Um, and the power and the need and the activity of prayer. Right? God's people gathered together, loved one another, prayed together. And then, of course, we learned the needed gift of the hospitality shown within the new believers. So if someone were to ask you, uh, or someone were to say, so, you just finished studying the book of Acts. Um, what did you learn? What did you learn from your study in Acts? What would your response be? That's, that's kind of mm, hard, isn't it? What would your response be? Something to think about. But the more I thought about that question, I thought of a greater question. Uh, that probably um, each one of us, each one of us should ask ourselves. And it's this. From what I've learned in my study of Acts, how has it affected the way I'm living my life as a witness for Christ? I know that's kind of wordy. So it, we could also ask ourselves it this way. How am I living my life differently as a result of what I've learned through my study of Acts? I don't know, I've rolled this question around in my mind so much it kind of confuses myself now, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, if we have simply, and we have, and, and it's good, but if we've simply just gained more knowledge for knowledge's sake, then we've missed something, right? Because this has a transforming power. All that we've learned, the transform, 
transformation opportunity in our lives as we live out um, as a witness for Christ. So I, I just thought it, it's good to keep asking ourselves and to ask the Holy Spirit in our days ahead to remind us of what we've learned and continue to ask him uh, to help us to apply it to our lives because we've learned so much, haven't we? Well, we've come to the last chapter uh, and we read of Paul's arrival in Rome, finally, right? He finally arrives in just the place that the Lord told him he would be arriving in. So through Paul, through Paul, God's chosen instrument, the gospel reaches Rome and God's purpose is fulfilled, right? Just as he promised. So um, we're in the 28th chapter, the last chapter, and I'm just going to read just this, this little piece here, um, Acts 28, <clears throat> excuse me, 14 reads, there we found brothers, Luke is writing, there we found brothers and we were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. <laughs> and so we came to Rome. And after Paul had arrived, um, brothers in the faith traveled to meet him, anticipating him arriving in Rome, these brothers to come to meet Paul that had never met him before, traveled a distance to, to, to be there and to meet Paul. And so we read this at the end of 15. Paul says, on, Luke writes, on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. So just upon the sight, I kept reading that, I thought, just the very sight of other brothers coming and traveling to meet him here in Rome, he was encouraged and he gave thanks. It's a lot right there, right? Paul was a grateful man, wasn't he? Didn't we kind of learn that throughout our study? He was a grateful man. And he thanked God and was encouraged by simply seeing the brothers. He was greatly encouraged by this touching demonstration of the love of the believers in Rome. And we can imagine how much Paul needed encouragement, can't we? Timely encouragement um, he must have needed. And how many times <clears throat> throughout our study um, did Paul go back for the purpose of encouraging the new believers? Didn't he? Over and over again, Paul would go back to spend time for the purpose of encouraging believers, and it was usually um, often for a significant amount of time. But that was his purpose, to go back and to encourage. Well, <clears throat> I'm sure you would agree. In living the Christian life, in proclaiming the gospel, we all need to be encouraged, don't we? Simply being together the presence of other believers gathered together uh, is such an encouragement, isn't it? Do you find that to be true? Um, even if a word is not spoken, just spending time with another uh, sister or brother in Christ in and itself is an encouragement. Um, and I tell you, I have been, I'm sure you have, every Wednesday morning 
at the sight of just seeing you um, coming through the doors to this place on a Wednesday morning to hear from God's word and to grow in your own faith, I've been so encouraged. Just that in itself is an encouragement to me. So hopefully, we've been mutually encouraged. But we need one another, don't we? We need encouragement. We really do. And it looks all sorts of ways. Well, Paul, after spending three days alone, and we're not told what he does in those three days, but I've thought about that. He's, he was alone along with the soldier guarding him, but he spent three days after he had been encouraged. But after those three days, we're told he spent from morning until evening with a people testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And the Bible tells us that some were, some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. So Paul had another divided audience after an entire day, didn't he? Another divided audience. But this is what we see. Paul never gives up. Paul never gives up, but rather he, he remains true to his calling, true to the gospel, and he continues to believe God. That's really what it is, isn't it? He continued to believe God. He, he proclaimed the gospel. He used the prophets, the law of Moses, teaching them about Jesus. He's in, in here he spent an entire day and some believed, and some were not convinced. But he continued to believe God. So Paul reveals to them then, those that didn't believe, of their dull hearts. He says their dull hearts. Just called it out, called them out, didn't he? It's always really a heart issue, isn't it? Some will listen, hear, and some will see, but it's really a heart issue, isn't it? Still today. And some couldn't believe, even after a full day of good, a good convincing argument from all people, Paul. That should encourage us, I think. Only the Lord knows the heart condition of those that we share the gospel with. Really, only the Lord knows our hearts, and he, he alone knows the hearts of those that we're to, to, to speak and to share the gospel with. You know, I imagine... Um, that Paul would have had many stories to tell, don't you? When you think about the life of Paul up before he met Christ, before he had his conversion, and after, you know, he was, an, he was an educated man, he was a Jew of all Jews, he lived this life, and then even after that, what all he saw and did and experienced, don't you imagine Paul would have had many stories to tell? But there was only one story that he continued to tell, and we saw it through our study, over and over again, didn't he? That one story, he kept telling it. How he met Jesus, who he was before, and who he became as a result of knowing Jesus. Over and over again, the story of how he met Jesus. It was his story, excuse me. It was Paul's story. His story of how his life had been transformed. And he knew that if his life could be transformed, anybody's life could be transformed by this gospel message. And it was this same story that he told over and over and over again. Because he knew that his story, his conversion, 
testified to the truth of the resurrected, resurrected Christ and the power of the gospel. He knew, he believed fully, right, in the resurrection of Christ and the power of the gospel. <coughs> so I thought about this too and about my own story. Because as Christians, uh, we all, if you have met Jesus and you have given your life to him by faith, then you have a story that's only your story. And nobody can deny it. Nobody can argue about that. Uh, Paul had a story. And I have a story. And you have a story. As Christians, we all have a story to tell, don't we? But as I thought about this, um, excuse me. Learning from Paul's example, I've had to ask myself, why don't I tell my story over and over again? I really, that just kept coming to my mind. What keeps me silent? I mean, I believe. My life's been transformed. I'm a new creation. Uh, but what keeps me silent when perhaps at times the Holy Spirit in me is leading me to share the gospel with someone. Why don't I tell my story over and over again? Well, I think, I think sadly it boils down to this, just to be honest. In those times, in those moments, I care more about myself and what others think of me than I do of their lost state. I, I think that's what it boils down to for me. In that moment, if I keep silent, I care more about what this person thinks of me than their lost condition, their eternity. And also, in those moments, if I were to not tell my story, I'm really trusting in myself and in my timing rather than in God's. Right? That, for me, for me. It really boils down um, to this one word, love. So I, I want to pray that the Lord would cause me to love others as he loves them. All, that he's cre all those that he has created, right, in his image, that I might have his love, which we do. We have Christ's love in us. So Lord, may I be um, focused more on others and love them well like you have rather than being concerned about things that really don't matter right okay thanks for letting me say that because that's that's what I have been uh, learning one of the things I've been learning and then I was reminded of this old hymn uh, too that maybe some of you heard about old old hymn called tell others of Jesus there is a story more precious than gold, wonderful message that cannot grow old. Over the world must this message be told. Go and tell others of Jesus. Carry the message to those in despair. Millions in darkness are needing our care. While they are longing his blessings to share, go and tell others of Jesus. And that's what we've been called to do. So the book of Acts intentionally invites you and I to participate 
in this great commission. God's big story of redemption. We have the privilege, really, we have the privilege and the responsibility to tell others. So the messengers come and go, right? But the message remains the same. The messengers come and go, but the message remains the same. Well, again in this last chapter, 28, Luke concludes his writing of Acts in a triumphant way, doesn't he? In a real triumphant way. And let me read for us just these, the, his last two verses here. Luke's detailed writing. Um, he shares with us what's going on here at the, at the end. And it's a triumphant ending. I'm going to read just 30 and 31. Luke writes, He, speaking of Paul, lived there, Rome, two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Paul remained in Rome for two whole years, spending time with, think about what he could have done. What he could have done, but what he did, right? He remained in Rome for two whole years, spending time with, intentional, intentional time with, ministering to a continual line of visitors coming into his lodging. Can you picture that? Just a continual line of, and you think, and it said for all, so not just for all, Jews and Greeks, believers, non-believers, Gentiles, I mean, but all. So this continual line, he ministers, loves, and he teaches about the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And it's believed that it was during those two years and during this time that he wrote the letters to the Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And won't you like to peek into those now and reread them after what we've learned through our study in Acts? And to think about where Paul is at when he's writing these encouraging words to God's people. Well, God in his sovereignty didn't waste Paul's time in prison, did he? He didn't waste his suffering, and he doesn't waste ours either. That, too, is an encouraging word. He didn't waste his suffering, and he doesn't waste ours either. So I just want to read from one of those letters that he wrote during this time to the Philippians. Um, listen to what Paul writes, considering where he's at, what he's experienced. He writes to the Philippians. <coughs> I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
For God is my witness, how I yearn for you, all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. Now listen to this. He writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That just give it a little more meaning, thinking about what he has gone through and where he's at. And this is what he writes to his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi. We've learned so much, haven't we? <laughs> well, author <clears throat> Ray Stedman writes this, considering Paul's time in Rome right now. He writes, Paul is in jail in Rome, writing to his friends far across the sea in Philippi. He manifests a reaction that inevitably makes the world sit up and take notice. He understands that adversity means advance. The manifestation of the kind of attitude is a test of Christian maturity. The Christian who has become well enough acquainted with the God of the impossible whom he serves knows that even through apparent defeat, God still is able to work. Such a Christian has become, begun to grow up in the Lord. He recognizes that in God, obstacles are really opportunities. And nothing can really imperil the gospel. That is an amazing declaration when you think about it. He writes, nothing that is intended to defeat ever brings defeat, that God works his way despite obstacles. And all obstacles only serve ultimately to spread the Christian faith. Here is Paul under arrest, chained day and night to a Roman soldier, unable to leave the house or the city of Rome. Imagine what this must have meant to the restless, surging spirit of this man. God had sent him out under his commission. That was to take him to the very ends of the earth. As we read the letters that came from him out of those days, there's not one word of complaint. Instead, there is a marvelously, marvelously triumphant spirit and expression of confidence. Why? Well, when he was tempted, he undoubtedly fell back on what he knew about his God. Earlier, he had written to these very Roman Christians with whom he was now meeting. And he writes to them, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He believed that. Even though the immediate hour didn't bring relief, he believed him, God. And out of that confidence, he could see that even those things seem to be against him are working out the purposes of God. 
true, right? Wow. That was Paul's response. Well, the book of Acts tells the story, tells the story of Jesus building his church by his grace and gives us confidence that he will continue to build his church until he returns or in his big story. So until then, until then, may we speak of what we have seen and heard with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. <laughs> a lot to think about. We've been thinking about a lot, haven't we? But what do we leave with? Well, let me pray and then you can be dismissed, okay? Father God, we stand amazed at who you are and all that you've done and all that you are doing and all that you will do. We consider it our greatest privilege and responsibility uh, to be known by you, to be loved by you, and to be given an opportunity to be in this big story of redemption, to be given this gospel that has transformed our lives and is transforming our lives. So Father, um, we give you much thanks here this morning, collectively. And then I ask, Lord, for uh, each lady here, each child and each lady here, that as we leave this place and as we return next week ready to share and testify of what you have taught us. Lord, may we continue to be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, and may we live out this gospel message, Lord, for your glory, for our good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Dismissed.